One of the reasons I do it is because the word trust is the foundation of that word. And for me, that's the number one leadership value. I came into the role and I remember the first meeting was a little bit shocking in that I expected a fully engaged board. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. On this episode of In the Know, we interviewed Rosie O'Neill. Rosie is a member of the ACCT Board of Directors, a trustee at Northern Virginia Community College, and has over 20 years of experience in education advocacy and leadership development. When she was in town for our most recent Governance Leadership Institute, we talked to her about what she wished she knew when she first started out as a trustee. I'm delighted to share my insights and experience on the podcast, but also had a great time sharing that with the most recent GLI, which looks like a roaring success, and encourage everybody to take part in future GLIs. Just real quick, David, for those who might not be familiar, what is the GLI? The GLI is the Governance Leadership Institute. This Governance Leadership Institute is for new trustees. And today, Rosie actually presented about uh, what she wished she had known when she was a new trustee. And um, just in in brief, uh, could you also tell us just a little bit about your background? Because you have so many different dynamics feeding into your um, becoming a trustee and, and a lot of different uh, forces in life coming together. The frame that I come into this work with is really one of being an immigrant, uh, someone who came into the country via a parent that was leaving a challenging political economic environment to come to the United States and he fundamentally believed that education was our pathway and that that coming to the US would be a place to to succeed uh, and so when we arrived the first revelation that came up in our family story was that my dad's education which was through a four-year college uh, in Argentina could not be completed for a variety of reasons, but mostly because of political dynamics. And so he was forced to enter a whole new education stream in the United States, and that led us to Hudson County Community College in New Jersey, where dad was able to earn a different degree that would allow him to kind of have a path uh, for both our own economic well-being in the United States, but his own work. And so that is how I initially became connected to community colleges. I fast forward, I myself have taken classes at Northern Virginia Community College as a post-grad, and my husband is a career switcher. He's taking classes at the community college in order to achieve that major life shift. And in addition to my own experience and family experience with community colleges, my background is one that put me in a position to both work for the federal government and then also to work in the finance industry. And in both of those places, one of the things that really was revealed to me was that opportunities and jobs come to people that are educated in many different ways, forms, pathways, and one of those was the community college. My most recent opportunity in the finance sector happened here in Northern Virginia, where I was working with a group of boards and helping them understand in the corporate setting, their responsibilities vis-a-vis some federal regulations. And that event was really important for me as I look back as a public trustee because I was accustomed to corporate board work. And those are different types of responsibilities, although the elements are the same. 
when I became a public trustee as a result of my personal volunteer work in the K-12 environment and in working with the local school board on topics, I came into the trustee role and realized that the public trustee role has a, a completely different set of elements that I needed to understand. And so I went in with an open mind and a servant heart, which is what we all do, and then had a little bit of a wake-up call on day one. <laughs> so I, what, what was that first day like? What were your first uh, experiences as a trustee? When I came into the role, I had been encouraged by my predecessor to be part of the conversation in large part because I do come from that immigrant background. My predecessor was very focused on the importance of access for particularly our dreamer community, for our marginalized students, and that was the frame that was very important for her. I came in with that and a much more holistic point of view. I came into the role and I remember the first meeting was a little bit shocking in that I expected a fully engaged board, a conversation that was really robust and partnership-based. That's what I had been experiencing in the county that appointed me. This is how we citizens and elected officials work together. And so I fully expected that, that was going to happen. That was not what happened. <laughs> uh, instead, I just found that there was a tidal wave of information that met me. My onboarding had taken place only a few days before the board, my first board meeting, and it was a very high-level introduction to the very, very kind of generalities around the structure of the college and just broad information about how we're related to the system in the state and then other broad information about the various functions that rise up to the top for the board. And that was essentially it. And so I go into the first board meeting, and right at day one, I'm being asked to vote on things. The <laughs> consent agenda, the this recommendation from the finance committee, the that recommendation from the curriculum committee. And even though my work had pivoted many years ago into education, and I was familiar with curriculum design, et cetera, I just was not ready for all that other content. And it made me a little nervous, frankly, to vote and put my name on that approval, not knowing what that was all about. And that was a little shocking to me. Um, yeah, so that's, I think, my first couple of hours. And, <laughs> and then it just kind of repeated itself as we went through the next several months in those first six months of being on a board. So with, in hindsight, um, given where you've come from there, for another new trustee who walks into that situation, mm -hmm. do you have any advice for coping with that and making the best of it? So as I mentioned, the onboarding was fine, but it was not enough. And so the first piece of advice I have is to make sure that as you're coming in as a new either elected or appointed board member, that you connect immediately with your chair. Now, I had done that, and our, the chair at the time was incredibly warm and welcoming, but I could see almost right away how he was handicapped in trying to engage and motivate the sharing of information when there were clearly other members of the board that were there with just a different set of intentions, you know, nothing nefarious or negative, just not as interested, I would say. 
that concept of kind of leaning into the topic, you could literally see the non-lean-in, which spoke volumes to me in terms of the dynamic on the board. So the first thing I would recommend is connect with your chair, find out what the culture is of the particular board, what are the rules, and what do you really need to know? What's gonna happen on day one? I wish I would have asked the question, what does a board meeting look like? What is the first piece of paper I'm going to encounter? I remember my first year, the college was trying to go digital. Okay, pause. Small undertaking, right? Pause and think about that for a minute. That was several years ago, and not were only were we trying to go digital, but we were trying to do that using college-supplied iPads. A, you're introducing a technological interface for many people who do not use technology. We were a multi-age board. Two, you're using technology that's not your own. Three, there's all kinds of firewalls. I mean, just the, the layers of what we needed to experience to use this technology made it <clears throat> compelling in terms of being a modern board, but made it really challenging in terms of the actual utility at that point in time when you're trying to integrate information that you're receiving, trying to figure out what's going on on the iPad, and then having enough of an opportunity to sit back and think about what am I going to say, yes, no, to whatever the agenda item was. So I wish I would have known a little bit more about where we were headed, how we operate, what are the agreements that we have in terms of engagement. And so the first conversation with your chair needs to include some of those really basic how-to types of questions just to get a frame and a comfort level. All of the other things are also going to be critical to know, but unless you know how to navigate the culture of your board, you're just not going to get the information that you need to make you comfortable enough. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing that could happen is that you approve or decline or take an action that is really not well informed. Mm -hmm. Not because you're not given the information, because it's too much to absorb in a short period of time. Right. So you, you mentioned in your presentation that, and I think that um, probably a lot of new trustees listening to this will relate. <laughs> so. Um, you mentioned that you were overwhelmed. And I, I think that's interesting because it sounds like you came into a board setting that uh, in a way not a whole lot was going on because maybe people weren't leaning in so much and yet you were loaded up with a lot of information that was difficult to process, including processes and procedures that may not have been explained to you. So um, again, for for new trustees who are listening to this, um, how how do you sort through and prioritize even on your own, um, asking the board chair for help, hopefully ideally that board chair is gonna be able to give a lot of guidance, but also is there a way to self-prioritize how to understand the way that the board meeting works, for example, versus consuming and absorbing all of the institutional data, et cetera, et cetera? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. What we know about most board members is that we come to the table to serve a mission. We believe in the value of the work that we're gonna be doing, so there is an openness about the engagement. Not everybody, some come with a different agenda. They might be somebody who's been appointed that is coming from a corporate 
entity in the community that wants to have a corporate social responsibility agenda and they want to execute. So there's different reasons. But for the most part, I would say most of us come with that. What I would orient people to do is to think about what is your point of perspective? What is it that you've already experienced in your life, in your community, in your professional life, in your travels, in your home life that gives you information you can draw from to know what you can engage with first and then second. So for example, it's very common to come onto a board and be a board member who does not have financial acumen. Not because you do not know how to manage your own finances, but because that's not your trade. It is not something you engage with every day. Not everyone, most people I would say I know, don't engage with balance sheets and P&Ls and other financial instruments enough to know how to ask a question about that. So first thing is to decide, do I want to be sorted onto, let's say, a committee assignment? on something I really want to learn more about and let that be a real growth opportunity or is it better to request to be on a committee assignment where you already have a little bit of perspective so that while you're learning you can actually contribute to that committee. So there's a way to ask your chair, for example, to give you some options there. Now if you don't have an option, then the next best thing to do is to talk to whomever else is on that committee with you from your board to say, I don't understand, and to be very clear and upfront about slowing things down. Part of what happens, as I was mentioning at the Governance Leadership Institute this morning, is that there is just a natural inclination to want to be perfect, to want to be that board member who knows everything and who has read everything and who is articulate. And that's just not the way it's going to be. I mean, this is like everyday life. We, we want to and have the good intentions to read everything, and we should make that a priority to your question about priority. But sometimes life gets in the way. So how do I want to prioritize? So knowing what your growth edge is, knowing what your limitations are, and being honest with yourself as a board member will then yield the questions that will help you prioritize where to begin. And I would say lean into those experiences that you already have. If you're an educator, then lean into that. If you're a corporate person and you work in a budget environment, then lean into that. If you're somebody who has a marketing expertise, then maybe communications is your space. Whatever that is, that's how you're going to start to prioritize. Use the filter that you have most access to. And then just be open to learning and not getting encumbered by not being able to ask questions. If you have, how did you see a change from when you started till now in right. how new trustees are onboarded? Well, one of the things that I realized about my own contribution was that I had a background in working with boards that I did not think I could connect to that this now new current experience. And in fact, when I started doing that, I realized that what was missing from the onboarding was precisely an, understa an understanding of what governance is. Mm -hmm. So let's just review that for a second because there's, uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what we talk about when we talk about governance. And I noted in my comments that good governance is really critical. Of the insights that I took away as a early stage board member, I would say number one is that being altruistic and wanting to serve is just not enough. 
that it requires hard work, good information to be a functioning board member. Good governance isn't enough. And what do I mean by that? So most people, if you ask what is governance, they're going to think that that is equal to leadership. But that's not what governance is, right? Governance is the structure, the order, the processes, the agreements that frame the work that keep you as a board member and your board accountable, transparent, responsive, and empowered. People don't think of governance as empowering, but it is in fact that. It also ensures, very importantly, that you are able to manage risk and stay in compliance with the laws and the rules and the regulations of your particular jurisdictions. And good governance also ensures that there is broad-based participation, that there is equity, and that there is inclusiveness. And these are the elements that really create good governance. And it's when you look at the words that define good governance, that is why any and all of us can serve because we all bring a very particular frame to the table. What we need to do, though, is to get to agreement. So when it comes to onboarding, what we need to begin with is what are these structures and orders and processes and agreements that help frame our work? Who are the people that are going to give us that information? The thing that really transformed over the last few years at our college on the onboarding process and by the way, we tweak it every single year to improve on it, is that now we bring in senior staff. Sometimes they bring a colleague that then informs us in an orderly manner of all of the elements that we need to know things about. And not that that wasn't present for me at the beginning, it's just that it wasn't deep enough. The other thing that's changed is that we use the opportunities to use things like infographics. I mean, something as simple as showing me a picture of what my distribution of funding is in the state for someone who doesn't understand or can't read 12 pages of text, a picture tells a thousand words. So show me, what am I getting relative to my peer colleges? So I just have a general understanding. So that's improved in our onboarding. Who comes to inform? How? we inform them through the use of either documents, infographics. And then the big thing that's changed is that we ensure that one or two or three board members come to the onboarding of the new person. And that allows for a mentoring situation to happen. It allows to ask questions organically and not feel overwhelmed facing just the president or the staff. And it just makes it more of a conversation. So we allot a lot more time, usually three hours. Typically, it's over a lunch period so that there are appropriate breaks. And we leave time for questions. The other thing that's happened with our onboarding is every time we look at it and we improve on it, this happened just last year, one of the things that I was asking for is for a regular refresher on freedom of information and on conflict of interest regulations, because that is one of those situations that could create a real risk to the board member, to the board, to the institution, that unless we regularly refresh our minds about what that is, 
it could be a problem. So now we actually bring some of that new data that we share with the incoming board members, and we do that as part of our very first meeting for the whole college board. You know, and sometimes people go, oh, I already know about that. Well, awesome, then you can help add some color to the conversation as opposed to me worrying about wasting your time, right? So if you go in with that notion that the board is better if the sum of its parts are all, in, you know, every person is strong, then you're just going to get a more robust. So that's the biggest thing that's changed in our onboarding. More time, better information tools to share, mentoring opportunities by members of the board, and making it more conversational rather than a classroom environment, for example. I'd like to mention a couple of the things that really stood out to me as sort of little practical things that could make a huge difference potentially for new trustees. Um, earlier today, you said, first of all, read the board materials. Re and you did mention that and said that life can get in the way, but you emphasize the importance of that because that is the context. That's where you get so much of the context. Um, and I think that uh, people should take that in. You also said, board staff are your lifeline um, and that you've made a commitment and this these people are going to help you keep that commitment. The last uh, question I have relates to what I think of as your special expertise and also your advice. Ask questions. Can you characterize that for a new trustee so that they can temper the questions and ask the questions that are most appropriate to helping them grow without, and you may want to challenge this, but without necessarily um, getting into territory of being disruptive, or is that not a right thing to say? Let me just share with you some of the insights that I shared this morning, and I think we're going to get to this, this question about how to ask the right question. So we talked about good governance. The engagement aspect of this is very important, and that is the section where I refer to the importance of preparation. So I ask the question, what does it look like to be engaged? And the number one thing is prepare for your board meeting. So to the extent that you get the materials with enough time, read them. You may not understand everything. Highlight it, like circle it. This is something I don't know. That begins the opportunity for asking a question. Right? Something comes to your desk, you have quiet time, circle something you don't fully understand. Make sure that it's clearly outlined so that you can pull it up when the board meeting comes or when the committee meeting comes. Asking questions, just getting into the mindset that there is no such thing as a dumb question. So divorce yourself from that thinking in order to be uh, able to expand on your curiosity or you know, point of clarification. Being very intentional about what it is that you believe the values of your board are and of your institution and asking for that to be documented. I mean, I do this all the time. My board mates will say, yes, that's something that we really need to put in a much more intentional way. So that's a place to ask questions. Why are we not showing this in our agendas, in our committee resources? Why aren't we deliberately asking about the equity agenda in everything that we do? So a really intentionality. The partnership is super important. That's another great place to ask questions. This entire role that we play as board members is about being in partnership with each other on the board, so our team, our CEO, 
our communities. And so all of those intersections and partnerships are places to ask questions. How do I engage in the community? How do I work with the president? If I have a question, do I go through the chair? If that's not clear in your environment, you need to ask about that. How do I speak, for example, to my K-12 partners in my community? And what do I bring back? I mean, these are all great places to, to surface questions. Um, the evaluation models, we talked about that a little bit at the Leadership Institute. When do I get a chance to evaluate myself? How do I know whether I'm doing, doing the right thing as a board member? When can I ask for additional training? That comes through the evaluation processes. If you don't have an evaluation, you need to ask about it. I asked about it. We didn't have an individual evaluation at my board. We do now, right? Because it gives us really good information. Advocacy, great place to frame questions that, that are very outwardly focused as opposed to inwardly focused. What do I need to be advocating for? What are the primary legislative priorities? How do I and what do I say to an elected official? Those are the kinds of questions. Another question, what are the protocols? What are the ways that we work? So if you take these notions and these engagement opportunities around governance, around how we engage, about the preparation of material, the partnership, these are all places where you could surface a question, and that's one way to come up with some good questions. Now, when you ask the question, you need to really be thinking about where you are. If you're in a formal board meeting, a lot of these questions have to happen in committee or outside of the board meeting, maybe while you're getting ready to sit down, or you could communicate with your chair and say, these are questions that I have. The board agenda has a structure and an order. It's a public meeting. It's typically recorded. That is not the place to be surfacing questions that could be answered ahead of time, right? It's, it's the pre-work that matters. So your board engagement isn't about between 2 and 5 p.m. on whatever given day on any given month. It's about all the work that you need to do in advance of that 2 o'clock opening session, using your committee time as the primary time for questioning. And then when you feel strongly or if there's a debate, those opportunities exist for the taped live meeting. Right? If you are in debate about a particular uh, proposition that's been put on the table with regard to a program or something, maybe a sticky financial situation that's going on. Absolutely appropriate. And by the way, you don't always have to vote yes. It's okay to abstain and it is okay to say no if that's where you really believe your decision is. So that's all these places are good kind of a good ecosystem for, for questioning. So my last question, really last one, is, um, you know, a few years down the road as a former new trustee, uh, why do you do it? What has made it worth it for you? What have you gotten out of it? Well, gosh, that's a loaded question. Well, first of all, I just am in love with community colleges. I just think that this is where real education happens, and that's not to denigrate our four years, which are phenomenal institutions. But the reality is that most of our community can't afford it anymore. And so we need to find a way to integrate people, to elevate them, to elevate our communities. I mean, I really, really believe that the opportunities that are provided through the community college sector 
is going to brighten every single one of our communities. Now, at the ACCT level, we talk about these larger meta-national issues and, and, quite frankly, global issues that are having an impact on our sector. That does not mean that we take our eye off of the ball. It, it just means that we need to be more open and flexible about different ways of responding. Uh, but I keep doing it because I talk with students all the time. I'm fortunately been asked to be the liaison to the Student Trustee Advisory Committee for the ACCT Board. Students are everything. I mean, that's why we do what we do. And so I, you know, I feel like I grow in the presence of them and they ask me for insight. I don't give advice unless I'm asked for advice. I just give a point of perspective and they can take it or leave it. But I, as I was talking to students earlier today at the lunchtime, I really want the agency to be on them. My responsibility is to make sure that there is a place called a community college in my community where that opportunity exists and that we do things right, ethically, for purposes of them and for the community. So that's why I do it. I, I love my board. I think it's fun. I mean, it's just fun, right? It's, you know, I love hanging out with you all and doing the work that's, that's important for, for us and then for the nation. Um, one of the things I want to point out, I know this sounds really corny, but think about the word trustee. One of the reasons I do it is because the word trust is the foundation of that word. And for me, that's the number one leadership value. If you don't have trust, you have nothing. And so for me, leaning into being a trustee is about just living in that space of trust. It's just a great bowl to be in, right? And if you're with the people that believe what you believe, then it gives purpose to what we do and hopefully good outcomes for those that we serve. Thanks for listening to this episode of In the Know. Remember to subscribe so you're notified when we release new episodes and feel free to reach out to us if you have ideas for future content. We'll see you next week.